Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello and welcome back to... Episode 21 of Series 3 of the Sofa Cinema Club, the last episode in Series 3. I'm Colton Smith, and as always, I am joined by... Jack P. Shepard. Ben Versace. (laughs) (laughs) The Sofa Cinema Club is our podcast where we get together and educate each other on film. Now, it's all about the films we should have seen, but we haven't. Each week we set a film for the other person to watch, then we come into the studio and we talk about what we loved, hated and rated. Now the beauty of our film club is that anybody can join in. All you have to do is watch along with the film at home and then join us every Thursday to find out what we thought. This week's film is the audience choice, so that means it's been chosen by you guys and it is The Devil Wears Prada. And in case you didn't know it, it's the last time we're getting together... In series three. So before we start talking all things Devil Wears Prada in this week's episode, it's just a quick announcement to tell you that Ben's mic is currently not working. Too powerful, my voice is too powerful. (laughs) Too powerful, too much boom, too trained. I've blown the mic. If he sounds a little bit different, that's why. But Ben, you and the IT technicians, you're busy working away right now, aren't you? I'm on it, mate. I've turned it on and off again. It's coming back on. Don't worry, full volume. You're going to get stereo. Fingers crossed at some point in the app, Ben's voice will be back booming. <laughs> How's your week been? What have you been up to? Um, another week off work means more walks. I'm getting quite good at this now. Is that the third time you've walked? Third time, yeah. Walk Same place? Weekends. No, I had the kids, um, went on a bit of walk, went to a park. A little walk around a little Japanese Ooh. garden. What you flew to Japan? It's a long way for a walk. That we're in lockdown. You can't fly. No. Where are we off, Dad? Walk where? Japan. Whoosh. <laughs> ice cream. Good weather. Won it this weekend. Yeah, kids had ice cream. I had a cup of tea. Fun, Dad. <laughs> fun, Dad. <laughs> Colson. Now you've have done something fun, haven't you? Yeah, it's been full on for me. That's it. So I finished work and I get the call to say. You need you need to come and help out. We we need some help on the farm. And who, hang on, who's got this farm? This is where my my sister. She lives on a farm. You sound like a farm superhero. So I finished work. <laughs> I sat down and I got the call. We need you. So you've got <laughs> you've got you've got to go to work. 
Okay. The, the farm needs you. And obviously, I'm a top farmer. We all know that. So mm. my family is kind of all been brought up in countryside. You know, they're all very, well, out- outdoorsy, academic, smart people. And then there's me. Okay. And they're all country people. And I'm like, I'm a bit of a townie, aren't I? Because I've yeah. lived in cities and yeah. I wanted to be an actor when everyone else wanted to like live by the fat of the land sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Be okay. old MacDonald. Yeah. Well, you've mentioned before, though, that your family's got vineyards, aren't there? And your sister's the vet. Hold on, we're building this up. <laughs> Crikey, what are you doing doing the podcast? You've got vineyards? <laughs> yeah, we talked about it. In Napa we? Valley. On the Karate Kid podcast, we talked about it. Colson's Vineyards. They've not got a vineyard. They've got the dry cleaning company that cleans for the vineyard. That's it, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're making me out sound like a bloody multi-millionaire posh boy. Basically, I'm a townie. Chav. <laughs> <laughs> I do have country roots. So the farm needed me. So I was called to action because there'd just, there'd just been a calf born um, and it needed help feeding it. So I, I've gone to feed the calf, basically. Okay, okay. Um, so I'm feeding the calf. And my sister's boyfriend goes, it's just got to that awkward size now where like it's it's a bit big and it can knock you about sort of thing. And I went, yeah, but it was well cute two months ago. He went, it's six days old, Colson. <laughs> <laughs> That's farm knowledge. So as you can tell, like I don't, I don't, I don't quite fit with all the farming stuff. And I rocked up in my Yeezys to go and do all this oh. work. So yeah, loved it. But my last. My last, like, family farming experience was in New Zealand. My uncle's dad has a big dairy farm in New Zealand, and um, I went to do the milking. Now, I was very young when this happened, and I was a damn sight shorter than I am now. So when you put the milking equipment onto a cow, you're at its arse, basically, (laughs) and you're attaching it. And 13-year-old Colson... (laughs) puts the old milk queen equipment on and this cow shat and it hit me on the chest. <laughs> <laughs> so ever since yeah. I've kind of been, <laughs> kind of been a bit yeah. wary. It's like you, I'll tell you what that is. You know, you mentioned your fear of being slimed. It was shat on. <laughs> it's happened a lot in your life. And I and all I was thinking about when I was getting slimed on that children's TV show was the cow shitting on it me. It was the cow sliming yeah. you. With it was it a lot of shit covered. But Ben, like you, kind of helpless because you you're, you stood at its ass. Yeah. And when it shit, it was like it almost knocked me back as well. There must be a farming trick to not get shit on. Oh, I mean, there's multiple farming tricks which everybody else seems to know. However, I am the outcast of the family. Like. Did it lift its tail up? Is that yeah, the sign? Yeah, that's yeah, the, that's yeah. Cool. That I kind of it. curls it up. I should be a farmer. I've, I, but I can drive the tractor. I'm good at that kind of stuff. Combine um, harvester. Quad bikes, love that. The combine, Ben. Yeah, they're, get on they're, there. They're bloody big, then. So what um, What happened with this cow, then? You fed it? Any dramas, or you just fed it? Oh, no, just just, just fed it. I, 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 yeah, I was quite good. I had to milk its mum by hand, which was quite interesting, because I was touching its tits and I didn't even know its name or its, its teats. <laughs> they said, they went, you just, just, just squeeze the teat. And I was like, I've, I've never even spoke to her before. I've never met. Can't do this. Poor girl. 
She's from Barnsley. I, I don't even know her that well. <laughs> is it quite hard? I get the feeling it's something that someone could do easily, but it's hard to do. And they're there doing it the old, just, just Trump top tight squeeze. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you, you can eventually, but yeah. obviously it's very hard to describe, but you have to, the, the, the teat, you have to grab it at the top to pinch the milk and then almost squeeze down with your fingers to release the milk into the jug. And then I had to put the milk from the jug into the bottle to feed the calf. And this calf has, has got an issue with its tongue. So when it's sucking on the bottle, its tongue falls out. So you have to put its tongue in its mouth for it. It is it is very cute. Like for a for a baby cow, it's cute. But it's only six days old, so it's everything. It's learning everything as well. What the fuck do they learn? What the fuck do cows learn? It's learning. It's not a language. It's not learning a language. No, but it has to learn how to walk and everything. So they quick, work straight off when they're born. They pop up on the clogs, don't they? On the hooves. <laughs> they trot along. They have to learn. Bonjour, Chamapel. <laughs> You'll like this, actually, Jack. Cool. So to, to keep the grass down in some of the fields, obviously you use sheep because sheep are great grazers. So you know that um, farm in the middle of the M62? Yeah. yeah, they've borrowed sheep from that farm to keep the grass down. And April is lambing season, so all these sheep are going to have babies. And I've got the call up. I'm in for lambing season. I'm off work for the whole of April, so I'm going to be I'm going to be there lambing. It's going to be great. What is it that? So what's that? I mean, is that spring watch? Spr- spring watch lambing line. Did you need to do the all creatures great and small and stick your hand up a cow's ass? I haven't done that <laughs> yet, but that's what my sister does because my sister's the vet. She went to uni for six years to learn how to stick a hand up a cow's ass, basically. I'm sure it's a bit more complicated than that. I'm sure it is. I'm sure. I think that was only one term. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the jokes that she's had in the Colson Smith family. Yeah, oh, I mean, probably for years and years. Yeah. I mean, that's it, the thing, innit? They, they, they all know how to fucking milk a cow properly. I'm the one who can get the room going. I'm the one who gets all the laughs going. I can going. get the room going. I can going. get the room get The best the thing is, going. as well, because obviously Hannah... My sister, you two know her. She's incredibly smart. So my joke is that I always get the looks in the family, which is if you see my sister, is evidently not the case. So Hannah <laughs> seems to get the brains and the looks, and then there's just me at the other end, the the young one. I feel a bit of a downer. Speaking of downers, when I checked the Instagram this week, wasn't very happy. Oh. Well, it wasn't Jack, and it wasn't me. No, it was producer Henry who is now looking for a new podcast to produce because there is now photo and video evidence of me getting slimed. What an action shot. Absolutely covered. Like whiplash it hits when it hits you. Yeah. It's hard work. It, it was it still, like, obviously I've relived it quite a lot in the past two weeks. <laughs> the most traumatising moment of my life, probably. Up there with the cow shitting on my chest. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got loads more country stories. I don't think I can tell. Like when I tried to kiss the ferret and it bit my lip. <laughs> tried to kiss a ferret? No, like I was stroking a ferret and I went, I was like stroking it close to me and the ferret fucking bit me. <laughs> you're wasted. You should be living with animals. You're a, you're a service to them. I am Ace Venturo. Venturo. <laughs> Venturo. So um, <laughs> what about you two? I mean, how, how are you going to follow on from that, Ben? After feeling cow's tea all the way to what? 
the big the big thing that happened this week was home haircut. Now, as we can see, Jack Nothing. doesn't do home haircut. Colson no. does. I do home haircut. So I sat down Saturday morning. No kids were there Saturday morning. And she looks at the rays. Bear in mind, we've done this for a year. She <laughs> says to me, she says to me, oh, I can't quite remember. Is it <laughs> up or down that's shorter? And I said, well, you go down, go down the numbers. It goes shorter. Oh, right. Yeah. She obviously went right down to the lowest and went first go. It's off. Shaves the side. Bursts out laughing. One whole patch down the side, completely like gone. God, like, but that's it. So the rest is normal. One bit, she just laughed. She went on, no, that was too low. (laughs) That was just too low. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's too low. I'm going to have to try and even it up. So then you're matching. You've got to go the other side. You've got to go the other side. (laughs) But she completely. So that was that was the big event in my family. It actually came out all right in the end. It she looks all right. right. Looks all right. It. She did. She did very well. We had a touching moment, but we pulled it back because, of course, I then gave it. It's fine. It's not like anyone's going to see it. <laughs> yeah. It's not like I'm on telly. Uh, only eight <laughs> million it? people. It's only eight million people. <laughs> it's fine. It will soon grow out after I've been in nine episodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> but actually, she even. To be fair, she did a mint job. That's my week. Not as good as farming. No, I mean, can't be that. So it's the last time we're getting together now, isn't it, for a few weeks? Yep, going to have some downtime. Yeah. How long are we having off? It's up to the audience. Depends how much the audience want us to come back. It's like a comeback tour. We have to start one clap, then the audience come in like that. We want to get a crescendo. One more song. One more Series song. Series four. <laughs> Series four. Just, um, I don't know, but we've got quite a lot to work out, haven't we? Because it's going to be a bit different, Series four. Yeah, yeah. One of us is leaving. Yep. Yeah. Cheers, Jack. We're getting someone else in. <laughs> but no, it is going to be a bit different. So I don't know, a few weeks, I'm guessing. Bit, bit, bit of a break. Bit of a break. Highlights of this series, would you say? What are your highlights? Jack? Because uh, I can see you struggling to think of one. <laughs> Do you know what, actually? It's funny you say this because not, not particularly this series, but someone asked me the other day, what's the best film that you two have made me watch? Which is a very good question, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I want you to two to take a wild guess at what you think it would be. But I answered it within five seconds. I would say Goodfellas at a guess. Ben? Goodfellas or Reservoir Dogs? Old Boy. Old Boy? That, I think that's the best film that I have watched from my Sofa Cinema Club journey so Crikey. far. Goodfellas was up there. But I suppose probably with Goodfellas is you kind of knew what to expect because you'd seen Casino. And it's that position. The the reason I like films is that kind of watch it again factor in the years. Whereas I'd I'd definitely watch Old Boy with someone in the not too distant Mm. future. Um, Mm. I I hope you're not going to ask us what our favourite film of yours was. (laughs) It's probably still Hannah Montana, isn't it? I've, I've, I've never reached the heights of episode one. What would your favourite film of Colson's be, Jack? I liked Mean Girls. Yes. And you'd never seen that, had you? I'd never seen that. School of Rock's very good. I'm trying to think what would be what would be the thing I'd watch again. Oh, you picked the Italian job, didn't you? Yep. I did like that. 
Did you pick seven psychopaths? You did, didn't you? Yep. That was yeah. good. I'll tell you what I did think about. Our last episode, which obviously everyone's listened to, Fatal Attraction. Mm. Obviously, I'm biased. But I think that was one of our best episodes because, Colson, you really saw things in that film which were, which is about film critique, if you know what I mean. You really saw how that film had been put together, what it was trying to do, what it was trying to say. You'd come a long way from initially watching the films going, it's not for me. I don't like it. Mm. And you really went into what you did like about that film. And then you saw bits that were maybe played early in the film and you saw them played out later. You saw how the characters, I thought it was the best. Your analysis has come on quite a lot. So we've had plenty of highs and lows in this series. We've gone all the way from Monster House all the way to where we are now. The Devil Wears Prada. And the feature that was new for this series was the fact that you guys at home got to pick a film. And this was your last pick of the series. Which means that we are joined for one of you guys to come on and give us the synopsis of the film that you have chosen. This week, boys, we are joined by Angel. Love it. Who is 27 from Derby. She's actually a key worker, is Angel, working at the Royal Derby Hospital. An angel. We asked Angel for a little bit of information about herself and the information that we got was that she wants audition for the chase. So clearly, clearly born to be a star. Hold on. Have you done the chase, Jackie? I've done it a couple of times. Yeah. <laughs> Have you? What's it like? Uh, the first time I went on it, I got caught by that big guy, the beast. He, uh, he got me. Uh, they said, where's the golden mile? Blackpool. I'd never heard of it. Oh, okay. So what did you say? Vegas? I think I said the Cotswolds. <laughs> I just thought sunshine, maybe. Golden. You'd get where's the curry mile, right, wouldn't you? I'd get that right, yeah. But golden mile. As soon as, I, as, soon as they went, <laughs> the answer, Cotswolds, the audience went... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you what, he's a good actor. He's not very sharp, is he? Blackpool, you know. Blackpool, you know. So Angel has been on The Chase. No. Judging from what she said, oh. she auditioned for The Chase and didn't get on. But, <laughs> but she did get on the Sofa Cinema Club as the guest of the synopsis. But again, she wasn't first choice because the person who was meant to be just stopped replying to his messages. So producer Henry went to get the person who nominated The Devil Wears Prada right. to give us a synopsis and they pied us. Completely pied, pied us pie. to come on. Hard pie in the it was face. A, it was a steak and kidney, did wasn't they it? they read the message? And I don't still... think they did. I don't think ah. they did. They just went, steak and kidney, have that. <laughs> so... Angel was our guardian angel, and here she is to give us a synopsis. Hi guys, Angel here. Thank you so much for choosing me to do this week's synopsis for the film The Devil Wears Prada. Massive fan of the show. So here it goes. Set in New York, where fashion is everything and the size 6 is a new 14, this romantic comedy follows the aspiring journalist Andy, played by Anne Hathaway. Andy knows nothing about fashion and her appearance reflects this. So it's surprising when Andy manages to land a job most women would die for as the assistant to the biggest fashion magazine, Runway, whose chief editor, Miranda, played by Meryl Streep, is the most powerful and ruthless woman in the fashion world. At first, she is hopeless and unable to meet the demands of the job, much to the delight of the first assistant, Emily. That is until she is coached in all things fashion by art director, Nigel, and is given a major glow-up. As Andy's fashion style morphs into that of those around her, so does her personality. She is suddenly able to complete the impossible tasks set out by Miranda. 
As she is noticed by Miranda, she earns herself a promotion to first assistant, but in a fight to the top, she becomes conflicted between who she is and who she has become to survive in the world she's entered, and in the end, questions if all of her suffered friendships and relationships is really worth it. She's excited, isn't she? She was very good. I don't know why she didn't get on the chase. She was good. But she's done our job. She's basically done the, the podcast. Now we're ready to rate the film. <laughs> she has. She's complete, completely gone through the thing. Well done, Angel. She rattled through it. She was determined to get it all in. And she did. Thanks for that. The Devil Wears Prada. Where shall we start? Great opening shot. Great song. Yes. I did a show with Kate, Katie Tunstall. Did you? And um, her name's her name's not Katie, is it? It's spelt Kate. KT, yeah. yeah. But people were calling her KT, and I couldn't work out if her name's Katie or KT. Or is it Katie Katie? Katie Katie. <laughs> that it's... would spin your head. My name's not Katie, it's Katie Katie. <laughs> but that opening shot is fantastic. Great song. It's very, very clever directing, doesn't it? Bangs you right where you are, what she looks like. We're in New York. She's rushed. Very good opening sequence, I think. Who was it directed by? I'll get you his name. Franco. Are we going to talk about Jack's I do notes, have ben? notes for this. I mean, there's, there's a lot that I had to make a lot of notes. This is the first time, podcast viewers, Jack in three series has ever made or sent us a photo of the notes he's made. Yeah. You started off the first two series, not really looking or half looking on your phone while we were recording. However, he has revealed the clangor, hasn't he, to us before that he has not actually watched the film. I saw the film about a month ago, so I don't think it's in my best interests to re-watch the film as it's still fresh in my head from a month ago. I don't think it's in my best interest. <laughs> <laughs> it's not in my best interest to watch a film for a podcast I'm presenting. Well, I've already... I mean, I have already, already seen, seen it. it. You've already yeah. seen it. You know the ending. Yeah. You know they all die in the end. I'm just going to yeah. remind you of the introduction to the podcast that is... All you have to do to join our oh, film club is watch oh, along with the film and then join us it. He's seen every it. He's seen Thursday. It. How did you see it then? Jack. The first time I watched it was a month ago with my girlfriend and her sister. Colson, when did you watch it? Today. It was the old midday watch, blind shut. With my wife, with my son, with my wife who used to work in fashion. Yes. At the magazine. At one time, I think the magazine was based on, then she moved to another magazine. So, of course, yeah. all the way through it, she's giving she's me She's saying, the, oh, it's this. To me, was, oh, yep, oh, <laughs> yep, this happened, this happened. Actually, she knew a lot about it. Yeah. Anyway, back to the film. So we've done the opening scene, haven't we? She's walking along. She's getting a coffee. She's getting a bun. She's on to a job interview, isn't she? Middle of New York. She's not dressed massively stylishly, is she? Well, when she walks into that office for the first time, everyone is in black, aren't they? She's the only person who's not in black. And she rocks up to this interview, and as soon as the secretary lays eyes on her, it's almost uh, she's been dismissed before she even gets a chance. Mm. Luckily enough for her, Miranda, the big boss, has had her facial cancelled, so she's coming into the office early. And this is where she lays eyes on Andy and basically says to her current assistant, Emily, she goes, well, I'll interview this one, seeing as the last two that you appointed were crap. Didn't you think, you know, when we see Meryl for the first time and you've got a big build-up and it's basically Meryl Streep's character's based on Anna Wintour, this dragon, 
Everyone's saying this is an amazing job. She comes in for the first monologue and immediately it flipped it for me. She could have come in giving it full guns, shouting hard, do this, do that, do this. She's very softly spoken. It Mm. really flips what you think. That's why I think she's so good. Interestingly, when they had the first reading at the uh, uh, for the film, when all the actors and director produce and everybody gets together and they read the film for the first time, Mel Streep has um, this scene where she comes in, she's very softly spoken, and everybody was hanging on her every word with bated breath because she was so softly spoken. Yeah, and she based her character on Clint Eastwood. Did Mel Streep because she said. He's so softly spoken and says everything so quietly that everybody has to lean forward and listen to what he's saying, which means he's almost the most powerful person in the room. Yeah. And she thought it was a very good characteristic and trait for her character. It works very well. I thought that was a brilliant... Immediately, you think there's a bit more to this film. You think, God, how good is she? Mm. So... She comes in with that monologue. Emily Blunt is the other secretary who's very good. Yeah. And she interviews her face-to-face, doesn't she? Asks her why she wants to work there. And Anne Hathaway's character has no clue, really, about the magazine. Runway. She wants to be a journalist, doesn't she? She's finished school and she's in New York for the hope of being a written journalist. And jobs are few and far between, hard to come by. This job comes up and she kind of quite honestly says in her interview with Miranda, she says, well, it's a job and I want it and it's with the publishing company. Yes, it's not the magazine that I want to work with, but it's kind of a stepping stone to the right way. And Miranda kind of likes how honest she is in a little way, but doesn't let on. So she leaves and as she's walking out of the building, her other secretary... Emily turns around and says, Andy, you've got the job. Come on upstairs. And that's it. We're in. She's got the job. And she doesn't know where she's at or who she's with. She doesn't kind of know the circles that she's now working with. But she has that meal with her friends, doesn't she? And one of her friends is very excited by the thought of her job and kind of is almost living it for her with who Miranda is and what she's about and what runways about as a brand and a company. So you kind of start to build the scale up. But the other thing that you kind of start to get a picture of is actually how demanding this job's going to be. Because she's her third secretary in the space of two months. And Emily kind of says to her straight in, look, this is hard work. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this. You're going to have to do this. Don't let the phone go to voicemail. Make sure you answer do this, get the coffee at this time. And it's that typical standard coffee order sort of thing. So straight away, she's thrown in at the deep end. And the first kind of few days in the job, she really struggles, doesn't she, to get a grasp on what it is she's got to do and keep up with the demands that are set by Miranda. She's at the top of her game. If it's based on Anna Wintour's what, being at the magazine for 25, 30 years, 25, the top of American Vogue. And she keeps it all in her head, doesn't she? She keeps every appointment, everything going on with her family, everything in her head and throws it and starts to pile on the pressure of throwing these things. And these are big designers she's talking about. She can really change someone's career massively. Mm. And it's clear that Emily Bunt's character really wants to get on and wants to be in fashion and wants to be for that magazine. 
And Anne Hathaway's character has got this boyfriend, hasn't she? Who's a chef. She's got mates who are a bit more, a bit more low key. She's not in the fashion world, is no. she? She, you know, she's got this job accidentally. She's yeah, she has no idea it. what she's walking into. But she's smart and capable, isn't she? It's not like she won't get hold of it. She will get hold of it. I really like Mouse Street in this film, and I, I like the character. But one of my favorite bits is when she, when she kind of is listing off her instructions of things to do to Andy, and she says, "Oh, and book me in that restaurant that I went to with so and so three weeks ago." And it's like, could you imagine like all the information that you get? And it's so vague. Mm. It's like the overload of instructions and her life is at 100 mile an hour in the fast lane, which means that everybody around her has to be at that speed, but also has to slow it down. Because you're basically a middleman for the busiest person in the building, aren't you? A lot of my notes are about how the film was made and the the earlier process of trying to get the film greenlit. It was only... um, This film, the rights to the film, were bought by 20th Century Fox before the book. It's based on a book, isn't it? Yes, by Lauren Weisberger. And was she involved with fashion? But she was there. Yes, yes. She was the assistant. She was the assistant. Yes, of Vogue. And it's... It's rumoured to be based on... Uh, what's her name, Ben? Anna Wintour. He's back in the room. Ben, Fixed I can, it. can hear you. We're back on. We're back at... Look, you might have had a really bad experience for the first bit of the podcast, but now you can hear me. So where are we now? Um, the 20th Century Fox bought the rights uh, to uh, produce the film before she'd even finished the book. So it's not even been published yet. It wasn't even out. A producer at the studio had read a manuscript in the first hundred pages and the idea of the book and 20th Century Fox swooped in before anybody and said, we're buying the rights to that movie. They then distributed a team of writers to come up with a screenplay around a manuscript and an idea of a book that wasn't even out. And the the idea that they wanted to go down was the same as Zoolander. Do you remember that film with Ben Stiller that came out? Yeah. So that had come out in 2001 and was a successful comedy about the fashion industry. And they wanted to jump on the bandwagon of that and do the same sort of film. So they're trying, they were trying to make a comedy. They were trying different writers, yeah, and they were tr- tr- trying to make it into a comedy. The director that they wanted was the director they ended up using. He wasn't interested in it because he, wasn't, he didn't really want to do that sort of film. It was only after they got um, Eileen um, McKenna in to, uh, to do the screenplay. She wrote um, My Crazy Ex-Girlfriend... And, more importantly, she wrote, We Bought a Zoo. Woo! Holy shit! Yes. <laughs> How do you go from We Bought a Zoo to that? She pulled herself back. She was in a nosedive with We it's Bought a Zoo. A it's going down, no parachute. She's pulled it back. God, I've got devil's own product. We're back. We're back. She were able to bring in her own life experiences of trying to be a journalist in New York City. Uh, so it's her trying to be an assistant, and from her own experience, she put into this film, basically, and basically changed the whole format of the film. So instead of it just being this comedy, slapstick comedy, that they were going down, the studio were going down, it went away from the novel. Can I just ask a question? Go on. Why does... 
so when you've got a book that's been written by a writer, yeah, why do you need someone else to do a screenplay? Just for film, so it's a script. You can't just put a book and give a book to an actor and go learn that. No, he's saying, why can't the writer of the book write the film? Oh, maybe she's not a film screenplay type person. Would she have got first refusal, probably? Uh, probably, but I think a studio options the book, Coulson. So once you've optioned the book, it's up to you. But bearing in mind, the book wasn't finished. She'd only done 100 pages. They option it, then it's up to them who writes it, because they have the option of the book, of the story. It's up to them. Now, all those films Jack's listed are really successful, apart from We Bought a Zoo. (laughs) I beg to differ. Some of the writers are big. That's big writing. That's big writer's credits. And they'll go, look, we've paid a lot for the book. We need a, a real tight film. So the director said he really liked the relationship between Miranda and Andy. And he said, we need to focus more on that. That's where our film is. And her struggle between trying to be... Not the receptionist. I suppose the receptionist. What is she? She's assistant. She's like an assistant. She's like the assistant, isn't she? Yes. Second assistant. That's the film. Because in the book, it's basically about her relationships with uh, the boyfriend that she's got and the, you know, the the guy Christian. Yeah. That's where the, the sort of story of the film goes down. Of the book, sorry. And they, in the film, it's more about her career struggle rather than her relationship struggle. The bit that I cared about was her relationship with her boss and her relationship with Chris. Like, when she wasn't in that building, I wasn't really that asked. You're not interested. Not asked about the boyfriend. It's obvious no. that she's working for a workaholic. She's now a workaholic. She's going to lose. You could tell that from the scene with her dad. Yeah. As soon as we had that scene with her dad and her dad's from out of town, she's come up. And she basically gives her dad the steak and kidney pie mm. to go to work and sort it out. You could tell that this was going to take over her life. You see, what's interesting is that I watched this with my wife and she did that job, basically, assisting. And we talked about that bit in the restaurant where she kind of like is late all the time, yeah. turns up with bags, because you get gifts, turns up with bags and they don't really understand. And... Actually, that was the bit my wife really didn't like because actually everyone did understand when my wife was doing it because it was such a big opportunity. Yeah. Everyone knew that that's how it works mm. and knew she would be late and knew she would... Well, I knew. So, But it was such a big opportunity that that's what came with it. I can explain that bit then. Go. They really struggled with that side of the film of um, the boyfriend not understanding and saying, you need to be true to yourself. Is this what you really want? And all that. So that they get the character to have some sort of moral compass. In the fashion industry, from all of the research that the writer and the director and everybody did, there isn't much moral compass. She had struggled with um, the scene where, you know, when Nigel speaks to Andy towards the end and he's basically saying... You, you need to be grateful for your job. Don't be so hard on yourself and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, she struggled with that because the people that she spoke to who were of the fashion world said none of that would ever happen because people are not nice to each other. There's no reason to be nice to each other. And what's more is they haven't got the time to be nice to each other. So it is a cut for our industry. So that's where she had to change the people in runway 
as being a bit more cutthroat and then the people out of it not really understanding. It's just so that there's, there is a contrast. Yeah, 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 I see, I see. But all the way through it, the boyfriend and then people who didn't understand really pissed me off and really pissed my girlfriend off. Yeah. Because I was like, like what your wife was probably saying, Ben, it's obvious she's doing this for the career. Yeah. And the writer wanted to write this film based on a female career path. So it was, it was a bit like, it wasn't your run-of-the-mill, oh, she's in love with this boy and she has a relationship with this man. She didn't want to make the female protagonist just about relationships yeah. with men. It wanted, she wanted it to be a bit like a, a, a Wall Street film for yeah, ladies. About, about the job, yeah. I think the scene that sums that up better than anything is when she has the breakdown around not being able to get her a flight back from Miami. She's worked her ass off to get this flight and she can't. It's completely out of her control and she feels like a failure. And she has that scene in Miranda's office and she walks off and then she goes into the office with Nigel and Nigel basically says something to her along the lines of, this is good. When when your personal life is in turmoil, that means your working life's going perfect. And when mm. your personal life hits rock bottom, let me know because that's when you're ready for a promotion. And like yeah. you can see that all going off. But he also reframes the magazine. He reframes the fashion world to her. So she thinks it's quite throwaway. It's not an industry she wants to be in. She doesn't agree with it. And he turns around and says, this is art. Some of the greatest artists have been in this book. Some of the greatest photographs, some of the greatest fashions that you wear now have been in this magazine for the last 30, 40, 50 years. This is an amazing moment in time. And she's an amazing woman who runs this magazine because she has that big scene, that brilliant scene where she talks about that colour of a jumper, cerulean blue. Yeah, that's great. And where she basically says the the roots of where it came yes, from and how it's this yeah. is and you can see her encyclopedic knowledge mm. and Nigel says you've got to jump in and that's has he already has he he's, then he takes her to the cupboard doesn't he no that's it's kind of after that after. isn't it yeah because she changes what she wears doesn't she she becomes sells herself to the fashion world in yeah. a way doesn't she well she starts wearing what she's writing about it was one of the reasons why Meryl Streep signed on to do the film because of that scene. Uh, so when the studio, when they were writing the film, they only had Meryl Streep in mind for that part. Yeah. And they wrote the character around Meryl Streep. And also the uh, the writer was asked to write backup scenes in case uh, they had to look for different actresses who weren't at Meryl Streep's level to play the part. Uh. So they banked on... Meryl Streep playing the part, and there was also different drafts of the script in case they had to look for other actresses. Yeah. Meryl Streep was interested, and she first said, I want to see every single draft of the script. I want them sent to me so I can read through them all and pick what I like and what I don't like. She asked for that scene, the jumper, the blue jumper scene, to be put back in the draft of the final script that she read. That's that's my favourite scene. Yeah. I think it's fantastic. And I think she is fantastic. She's doing all her lines while still with the clothes, looking at the clothes and just throwing it out. So easy. Throw away. So yeah. easy. Throw away. And you're yeah. like, 
wow, that's really powerful. That's a powerful acting class, I think. She said she wouldn't be able to work in Paris as they wouldn't be able to afford her. She asked for more money, so they had to double the fee. And she said um, she wants to be able to um, basically decide what character, uh, how her character looks. So were they originally going to go out to Paris? No, they did. She didn't. Ah, because that the scene in the scene in the limo coming towards the end, very lit, very differently. Yeah, mm. and a very well written scene that was probably one of the most important scenes in the film. But I couldn't get my head past the fact that it looked like fucking green screen outside. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it just it just annoyed me. I was like, just go to Paris and just film it properly. I don't think they could afford for it to go. Why would would it? Would she? I think they'd have had to say, take her, her family, her dogs, her, her kids. A bit like fucking Miranda. <laughs> yeah. Well, she was the film, and she's they only the got it, they only got it green lit because of Meryl Streep. I mean, she she makes it. She's unbelievable. She's unbelievable, and she they probably yeah. go look. It's only four weeks. It's in New York. And you'll be done. Not it's six weeks. We're or seven weeks. We're off to Paris. That could be a bit tricky. Blah blah blah. You know, she got you got the best out of her. And yes, I agree. That scene in the car because I think my son says, "Why does it look different?" And I thought. And I didn't know that fact. And you look back on it and you go, oh, yeah, clear, she's in the studio. And and that that's what it is. And I think it, it still kind of did it because I, I know it's kind of one, two, miss a few. But when it's in that limo and they have that scene and she says to her, um, basically, so what's happened at this point is, let's just give you a bit of an overview of the film. So the career's going really well for her, isn't it? She's yeah. gone from number two assistant to number one assistant. And the big thing for the assistant is Paris Fashion Week. So she gets to go with her. It's going amazing. Her personal life is in turmoil. She's broken up with her boyfriend. She's almost met someone else through writing and fashion. And she sees an opportunity where Nigel is about to leave runway, isn't he? Yeah. Mm. Nigel is going to go and work for James Holt, which is this massive opportunity for him. You know, he's going to basically go and quadruple his salary and, you know, he's really going to kick on in his career. And he deserves it. We know that in the film. He's a great character. He's a nice guy. He's very good, isn't he? Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci. Unbelievable. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. So Andy, Anne Hathaway, kind of gets this little insider information from Christian after she's slept with him. Yeah. That they're going to replace... Miranda as chief editor. Yeah. Um, she's too expensive. She's done it too long. They can get someone in for cheaper and they can get someone in younger and it's this big thing. Mm. So Anne Hathaway basically morally now has this connection and this respect for her boss because in a way, she has made her. In the seven months that they've worked together, she's completely transformed her life, everything about her, the way she looks, the way she dresses, the way she talks. So she's changed everything. So she feels like she has to tell her and she goes around trying to tell her, and eventually she does. She grabs her and she tells her, and Miranda just ignores it and comments on the flowers. And then we're at this scene, we're at the dinner party scene, aren't we? And she goes up to do the introductory speech where she's going to introduce the fact that Nigel is leaving Runway to go and work for James Holt. But instead of announcing that Nigel's going, she announces that Jacqueline, who was down to replace her as chief editor, is going to work to James Holt. Because I think that's based on the woman who edits French Vogue. Okay. 
who's very famous, who's been there for a long time. Caroline Rockfield, I think, who's been there for as long, who's equally as famous as Anna Wintour. It's, it's a massive stab in the back, isn't it, basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Massive. Complete massive. stab in the back. God, and- didn't he play that brilliantly? Yes. Didn't he fucking play that brilliantly? He was gutted, but then he went, you know, chill, chill. She'll reward me. She'll reward yeah. me. I she'll thought, notice me. Yeah, yeah. she'll notice me. I thought he was brilliant. I, I thought he did such a good job. And then that's why it just fucked me off a little bit that they were in a green screen limo. But that scene in the limo that I'm talking about, <laughs> she turns around to her and she says, what you did is wrong. And it's the first time Anne Hathaway ever stands up to Miranda. And Miranda goes, everyone would do it in my situation. You know, I'm glad that you tried to tell me that they were trying to cut me out, but you act like you don't think I'd know. Like, I know everything. I'm I'm the boss. Mm. And when she says what you did is wrong, she was like, you'd do the same thing. And she goes, no, you're wrong. I wouldn't. And then she goes, you already have. Think about what you did to Emily. Think about why you're here. Yeah. And it's that moment then, and that's when it's that shot for me that I think was probably the strongest moment in the film was when, the doors of the limo opens and Miranda goes one way and she goes the other and she just fucks off basically and walks away from all. And as she's walking away, you can see that she's walking away from the job, the responsibilities, the life, everything. She can see herself turning into Miranda, can't she? She has, you know, and she doesn't, she doesn't want to be that person. I thought that could be arguably the end. I think it should have been the end. However, I wasn't asked about the whole rekindling with the boyfriend. No. I did like the reference. I did like the fact that she applies for another job and she gets a reference from Miranda that says, she was my biggest disappointment. You'd be a fool not to employ her. Yeah. I thought they could have cut the boyfriend bit out. They didn't need that meal. No. We didn't care about Nate. Fuck him. What about Emily Blunt's character? She was all right. You didn't like her? I thought she was really funny. Oh, I thought she was mint. That could have been a nothing part, and she was fantastic. It launched her career, this film, Emily Blunt. At the time, she was auditioning for... Do you remember that film that came out, Aragon? Oh, yes. A bit like a a Lord of the Rings. Argon. Argon. Aragon. Yeah, with the dragons. Yes. Yeah, I I I fucking loved it. (laughs) (laughs) there you go utter shit there was meant to be like 10 of them and there ended up being one yeah Yeah. one I've read the books I had the posters fucking loved it she auditioned for that in LA (laughs) which is 20th Century Fox at the same time the director saw her in the corridor on the lot 20th Century Fox and wanted her to read for Emily the character and she did and he loved her he loved her, uh, how funny she was, and he thought she was great for the role. Even though the role was meant to be American, she did it in a British accent. But anyway, she went back to uh, England, and one night she was drinking her sorrows with her sister because she didn't get the Aragon role. And the director phoned her up and he said, look, I would have cast you in a heartbeat, but I have to speak to the producers, 20th Century Fox, and they want to see you, and they want you to... Um, uh, send a taping in character. So can you like dress for the role? So she sent a character. So she sent a taping, dressed in jeans and flip flops, <laughs> for, for the part. But they really liked how funny she was, and they decided to cast her. Anne Hathaway, she was ninth choice to play this part. Wow! Bloody hell. They wanted the usual suspects of Jennifer Aniston, 
um, Cameron Diaz, Kate Winslet. They wanted all those type of actresses. Uh, Rachel McAdams, they wanted her because she'd recently done Mean Girls, which we've covered. Uh, And she'd done The Notebook. And they felt like she was top bill at the time for this. They didn't want Anne Hathaway. And Anne Hathaway was the only one who purposefully went out of her way to say, please hire me. And desperately, desperately wanted this film. God, ninth choice. And they basically phoned her up and they said, we really, really like you, but however, you are ninth choice. And basically, you just have to hope that everybody else turns it down. And if they do, you can have it. Bit like Nick Tilsley. (laughs) 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 The issue is, Ben, they didn't turn it down. (laughs) You you, you are just wearing their costume. (laughs) I just waited for them to finish. We're finished now. You can have a go. Shall we take a quick break and come back and rate it? One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss so who wants to start off for the last time <laughs> for the last time well, you, you start Coach. I'll start I'll start um, <laughs> for the last time for the last time <laughs> for the last time I'll start the bit I think I really liked was everything in that building everything in the public in house Everything in the publican house? Everything in the publican publication house. house. The Just go with it. Go with it. Go with it. I like, I'm in a publican house. Everything inside <laughs> the runway office, I really liked. I liked the way the extras worked, of it always being busy and passing. And that mm. first scene where you meet Meryl Streep, people get out of the way, someone gets in a lift with her. Are you calling her Meryl Streep or Meryl Streep? I can't say a name. I've, I <laughs> couldn't Meryl do Streif. it in fucking Kramer versus Kramer. So. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. Hello. 
<laughs> I, that first scene where she walks through and people get out of her way. Everything in the office I thought was brilliant. The thing that let the film down for me and where I wasn't that interested and I could almost feel myself, yeah, a little bit of disinterest is outside. I wasn't interested when she was in the flat of her boyfriend. I thought all that sexual stuff between them was just fucking weird, wasn't needed. Um, I didn't mind the scene in the restaurant where she gave her friends all the freebies out. I thought that was all right, but I just didn't get her and her boyfriend going well. I didn't really like the scene with her and her dad. Mm. I just... It didn't do it for me, but everything in the office was absolutely spot on. Meryl, well, Meryl S, I'll call her. Um, yeah, she's mint. I mean, she's she's stunningly good. Yeah. She plays the devil, but with such an underlying touch of almost, at times you feel sympathy for her. That scene where she looks completely different after she's she just had the makeup off. Yeah. No makeup, glasses on. She looks completely different. Yeah. And it just plays a massive part of you feeling for her. So I thought she was stunning. I think Anne Hathaway was brilliant. It's a film that I really liked. It's the first time that I've ever seen it. Because it's the audience choice, because it's the last one ever, <laughs> I'm going to give it a solid eight. Eight? Don't forget to mention that it's the last time ever. But it's not the time ever, is it? It's the last in the series. Last time ever makes it literally sound like... So the internet's stopping... We're getting rid of electricity. There'll be no le- no podcast. We've not been commissioned. We're not being commissioned. I'm going um, seven seven point four. I'm going to go oh, gee. four. What's the point four? Uh, Meryl Streep, Anne Hathaway, Stanley Tucci, and Emily Blunt. So them four get an extra four. Okay. I really liked it. I think them four as actors, um, brilliant cast. They've done a brilliant job. It was, um, that's all them in the office, isn't it? Like, I, yeah, yeah, I suppose like what you said, because um, whenever they are in that office, all that dialogue, that world, that fashion world, the dog eat dog. I'm interested in that story. I think it's a powerful film about women working really as well in that industry. It's interesting, uh, something that you you don't always get to see. It is usually about women in relationships, particularly with men and how they cope, uh, having a job as well. And it kind of does do that in the film. And that, and interestingly, that's the bit that is annoying for me. I do just want to see their struggles and strifes in uh, in a workplace. And uh, But I think performance-wise and direction-wise, uh, I think it's a very uh, tight-knit, well-put-together film. And yeah, gets a 7.4. Ben, what did you think? I really like the film. It was very, very interesting watching it with my wife because she was fully in that world in the middle of London. And I remember that uh, very distinctly. You know, when she gets the clothes on, she gets the goes into the cupboard. They call that the fashion cupboard, although it was massive. And I remember my wife just ended up working in there. That's a job in itself, organising it. There's just so many clothes, so many bags. So it was really interesting at watching it with her and she loved it. She had a great time. It wasn't all bad. It's not. But I think they have to paint it for the film. Exactly what you two have said. Mm. I think the power of that film is Meryl and the two girls working in that three with her within the office. When it goes out, I thought the boyfriend was underpowered. I wasn't very interested in the father. I thought it went, it got a bit Baggy, and I just wanted to get back in with Meryl Streep and back into the office. So, yeah, very, I mean, amazing performance in Meryl Streep. I forgot how clever she is as a as an actress. And the other two, fantastic. So I think I'm going to go, I'm going to go 7.5. Mm, yeah. 
22.9. Last fun fact as well, the costume budget for the film mm. was only given 100 grand. Oh, and, really? Yeah. It's all and fakes the, from Bury New Road. <laughs> no, the uh, the costume designer spent the budget on one necklace for Meryl Streep. <laughs> hundred grand gone instantly so she had to ask for more money and they said well how much do you need and they went well come on you're gonna have to dig in your purse a little bit so the budget ended up going up to a million pound which is one of the most expensive budgets for a costume but they did get majority of everything gifted for free did they as the clothes Anne hathaway was wearing the clothes my wife was naming all the clothes <laughs> and where they were from in every in every outfit oh and there we go and that's the yes <laughs> i know where the budget went i, I can't start looking the wardrobe and think where all the money's gone so this is the time where we would normally say what film we're watching next but obviously we're not we're not so it's straight into that time of the week well, there's pointless me doing it in gem, isn't there? I mean, I can do it if you want. Why? Why is it pointless? Don't they want to watch People it? People have got we're fucking weeks, Jack, to watch. <laughs> right, you okay. made a big fucking splash about this, Jack's hidden gem. <laughs> we get to the end and you go, I can't be asked. Someone's listened to fucking an hour of this shit to get to you to go, the fucking, you wait for the fucking hidden gem, it's amazing. Oh, I can't be bothered. End of series, fuck you. Funnily enough, I w- watched a documentary uh, with my girlfriend last night, and it's one that she's not seen. Now, it's been out for about 10 years. Now, you boys might have seen it. It's a documentary about the graffiti artist Banksy. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's uh, a documentary about Banksy and about other graffiti artists. Now, it's 2010. I think it came out. It's available on Amazon Prime. It's called uh, Exit Through the Gift Shop, and it's about a documentary filmmaker called Thierry, who uh, is now a graffiti artist himself known as Mr. Brainwash. He wanted to find Banksy and follow him around and make a documentary about him. However, he was actually more interesting than Banksy himself. It's very good. Me and my girlfriend both liked it. He's a lovable person, is Mr. Brainwash, and it's got a good, happy ending. There we go. A bit like this series. A bit like this series, yeah. Jackson Gem exit through the gift shop. Jackson is called Gem. of the week. Um, how, how have we been on the review front? Do you know what millions? <laughs> so it, it, it's almost staggering. We've gone to one and a half million reviews. Not so many <laughs> listeners, but uh, very, very good. Send Ninja Hass. The centre one. Love this podcast. Love the banter between the boys. The intro chat is as good as the film reviews. Oh. I always look forward to a Thursday to listen to Sofa Cinema Club. Ben is outstanding. Oof. Smiley face. Smiley that could be the new gone. one for series four. Ben's brilliance gone. It's Ben is outstanding. Oh. Mm. Tiffany Reed keeping Ben in a job. <laughs> yeah, do keep the reviews coming in, even when we're off air. I love the podcast, tune in every Thursday, and definitely say it's really changed the kind of films I watch. I was a bit like Colson when I started listening to the podcast. I've not really seen any of the classic films. I would watch the films like Hannah Montana, still the best choice. Whoop, whoop. Ah. And now I watch films that I usually wouldn't give in a second uh, look at, so thank you. P.S. 
Coulson try John Frieda's Violet Crush Purple Shampoo. Amazing. And don't stain your scalp or hands purple. That's the one you use, isn't it? No, I, I use Fudge's Purple Shampoo. Oh, John Frieda. What's that one called? Violet Crush? It's called Violet Crush. Hello. <laughs> They've thought of a name there. John's there with his shampoo. What should we call it? Violet Crush, brilliant. Uh, oh, and Ben's brilliant. Ben's even got on the old purple shampoo. You've kidnapped some of that, into. I have, but it didn't work for me. I went grey. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's it. Well, there's another one. Hold on. Let, uh, absolutely <laughs> hilarious. Chloe is not on fire. So glad I discussed this podcast. Absolutely hilarious. Haven't even watched half the films, but love the banter. Look forward to Colson's introduction every week to say to see where it ends up. Because <laughs> you go off. But yeah, keep the reviews coming in. It's mint. So are you ready for a bit of a out-of-series challenge? Are we going to the farm? <laughs> I'm saying it to everybody. It's Okay, it's I, like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. So it's our challenge to you guys at home. Every episode, we do a synopsis. And a synopsis basically is a summary of the film that we're watching in the episode. But what we want to know from you guys is we want a synopsis of Sofa Cinema Club. We want to know in 60 seconds what a Sofa Cinema Club means to you, what you think about it, where you listen to it, what your favourite bits are, what your favourite moments are, why you listen to it and what it is, just like we do for the film. So the challenge is for you guys to record us a 60-second synopsis, talking all things Sofa Cinema Club, and then from the best three, we're going to play them out at the start of Series 4, and the ones that we go through and decide are the best are going to win the first ever hot off-the-printing-press Sofa Cinema Club mugs. How are they going to get the voice note to us? Are we going to give you all number? <laughs> yeah, you're going to text <laughs> Ben on 079. <laughs> um, so when you've recorded your 60-second synopsis, all you've got to do is send it to us on email at sofacinemaclub at gmail.com. Yep, that's it, that's it. And we look forward to hearing from it. It's going to give us something to do whilst we're off away from recording. We're going to listen to what you guys like so that we can keep bringing that in into Series 4 and into the future of Sofa Cinema Club. And you might win a mug. You might. You might win a mug. No hot drinks. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love that. Once you get the mug, yeah, don't, don't, not too hot. It's not dishwasher safe. Don't put it in the dishwasher. (laughs) Don't wash it, actually. Don't wash it. it. Actually, do you know what? Don't use it. Just keep it on their side. (laughs) I think all that's left to say is see you in series four thanks for listening guys thanks see you in series four it's been a pleasure good night god bless Bye. good night god bless hey folks i'm mark Marin from the wtf podcast and this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 